Around the world, they drink this beverage in its many exotic forms. Half coffee and half hot milk. I praise the Lord and keep the faith. Sipping my macchiato, gotta get my cream up. I do this for Christ, boy. This ain't for the culture. Believe the scripture. Thank you for tuning in to Macchiato's Music and the Scriptures. I'm your host, Martinez. Please subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember that you can send your emails to podcasting at mmsmedia.org. If you'd like to follow me on social media, remember you can do that at mbills314. Today, I actually have a guest. I have a guest at Sunday dinner. And let me tell you a little bit about my guest. My guest is Kathy Ayandeli. Uh, she is a critically acclaimed hip-hop journalist, and she is the author of God Save the Queens, The Essential History of Women in Hip-Hop. She's also written numerous publications, including Vibe, The Source, The Village Voice, Rolling Stone, and many more. But today, today we will be discussing her newest book entitled Baby Girl, Better Known as Aaliyah. Kathy, thank you for joining the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem. I appreciate you for, again, accepting my invitation. I know that the book just released on Tuesday, August 17th. And so I know you've been doing a promo run, so I know you've been extremely busy. But the first thing that I wanted to say is how ironic, how ironic that the week that your book comes out about Aaliyah, that they decide that they're going to now put out one in a million on Friday. I mean, that's not ironic. That's divine, right? Uh, I think yeah. that I think that August 2021 is Aliyah's month now. Mm. Like this is this is something that we've been waiting for as fans. Yes. And when I put this book together, I didn't fathom that the music would be there. I mean, I even conclude in the book that we're still waiting. You know. Yep. Um, but I, I, it, it's incredible because all I ever wanted, even while I was writing this book, was to have a soundtrack for it. Mm-hmm. And with the release of One in a Million yeah. on Friday the 20th, yes. it can accompany my book in a way that I, I didn't imagine it could. It was amazing. I mean, when did, when did they make that announcement? Was it last week or two weeks ago Black Ground made that announcement? Like, were you privy to any information at all prior to the public or you kind of found out when it <laughs> <laughs> no, I I knew. You knew, okay, but you didn't know yeah. as you were writing the book, though. I knew that it was coming. Coming, okay. I just didn't know the date, and I had kept my fingers crossed that it would be in August. Okay. But I knew the conversations had been happening. People had put the bug in my ear after I announced the book oh, okay. that they that they started to get these calls for, you know, um, the the meetings, the bidding mm-hmm. war, so to speak. I'm not calling it a war, but you know, the people are getting their bids in, like labels had to come and bid on, on the project. So, wow. or, uh, projects rather. So, yeah. As I was reading your book, actually last night, I was in the middle of reading and I looked up and I said, oh, it's midnight. So I actually had one in a million playing for a little minute. I had to go back to the, the nostalgia of it, not realizing that it came out in 1996. And do you know, in 1996, I was nine years old. Oh my goodness. I was nine years. I'm 33 now. But I was nine years old listening to One in a Million by Ali. And it kind of took me back. I'm like, I was really listening to this at nine. But I was really a, a avid fan. 
of her. Um, but before we get into the book, let's talk a little bit about your passion for hip hop. Because I've seen that you've co-wrote books. Um, you co-wrote the book Commissary Kitchen with uh, uh, Rest in Peace, Prodigy of Mob Deep. Yeah, you've also wrote God Save the Queens, History on Women in Hip Hop. So can you tell us a little bit about where did that passion for hip hop start for you? Was it did you hear a song or like what like what was it that that kicked it off for you, your passion for hip hop? My passion for hip hop as a career, I will say, which leads into just, you know, I got to shout out my girl. Um, I co-wrote Little Kim's memoir, The Queen Bee with her, which is coming out and that's where it began the career aspect of it when i met little kim in 98 and her her kindness i i approached her at a restaurant uh-huh. and i i um i asked for her autograph and i um my friends used to call me the queen bee and i walked up to her and was like i'm the other queen bee and i had shown her this keychain i had that said the queen bee uh-huh. and um and she invited me to sit down and have dinner with her wow. and i remember just um a year later i entered into the music industry but before that, my my relationship with hip hop was it was organic, mm-hmm. you know, like most my, most kids who experienced hip hop mm-hmm. um, at the age that if you're if you're born in between, I will say, let's say nineteen seventy five mm-hmm. and you know nineteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, your your experience with hip hop is is different for how you came to embrace it. You get to you get to a point where you'll you'll go ahead and and you'll look at something that was on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it was catching Video Music Box, which was Channel 12 Mm -hmm. that would only air um, after 4 p.m. You know, and I get back from school and I'm just like, what is this? Right. I, I. I was growing up in New Jersey and, you know, my whole family is from Patterson, which is um, the big city, a big city in northern New Jersey. And I just remember it was all around me when I went to school, but it, it took watching. I'm going to say that for me, Uh what changed me was the lady's first video. Uh, Queen Latifah. Okay. Yeah. With Moni Love. Uh And... Watching that video, I just, I was like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. this is, this is incredible. Yeah. And then three years later, TLC came mm-hmm. and, and looking at TLC, yeah. you know, and, and sprinkled in there was also salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. But what I, the thing that for me, that was kind of the through line was the individuality. Yeah. You know, the, the uniqueness and self-expression. And when you're, a, when you're a kid who's like, you're not even in your preteens, but you're still just trying to figure your life out, Absolutely. you know, and figure yourself out. Right. You know, those are formative years. Absolutely. So when I saw these incredible women doing these things for it, this movement, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you just you don't you don't realize how impressionable you are at that age mm-hmm. until you see where you end up years later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize that seeing the lady's first video on Video Music Box was going to ultimately lead to my writing for 20-something years about um, the culture and the art form Mm -hmm. and representing for women. Uh, But I, as I was writing uh, God Save the Queen, Mm -hmm. and I was going through the music and the videos, you know, I, I started to just remember 
those moments, yeah. those key moments yes. and, and being like, wait a minute, this all is part of a large puzzle. It's bigger than just being like, yeah, you know, I grew up, I loved hip hop. I just loved the beats and you know, all that stuff. That, exactly. that wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. It, it awakened something in me. Yeah. It ignited something. And as I've gotten older and my passion to promote the equality of women has continued. Yeah. The goal has been to amplify and uplift the voices of women whose voices weren't always heard. And that's what led, of course, to now doing the Aliyah book. Yes. So this Aliyah book. So did you write this like during the pandemic or was this something that that you started like pre-pandemic? So I finished So God Save the Queens released in October of 2019. And I was, you know, kind of putting together my ideas for what would be my next book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was really, I was pulled to do this one. So by the end of 2019, I had already known I was going to be doing the book on Aliyah. And I was still there. I was still on my book tour Mm -hmm. for God Save the Queens. So it carried in from October, November, December, and then it went into um, March of 2020. Mm -hmm. So I was doing um, more of the, the groundwork and the research during that time period and, yeah. and you know, getting some people here and there to talk to. And then in April, we went into a complete lockdown. Yeah. So I had already had some interviews under my belt and, you know, I, I had um, a bunch of things. But I remember when I actually sat down in April to put this whole thing together, I realized just how devastating everything that was going on in the world was. Like, it was, it was overwhelming. You know, you're talking about this scary disease that's taking people's lives at a very rapid uh, rate and you know being around New York City you know you had you have these trucks that are filled with bodies because they have nowhere else to put them and you know I just started to get consumed by this grief I lost my mother when I wrapped God Save the Queens finished writing it so you know um, and I was on this like fast track so I didn't I didn't understand the depth of my own grief mm-hmm. at that point either because I, I, I consumed myself with work so I'm, I'm at this yeah. yeah so I'm at this point of just like space right so um, that became just you know the impetus for me to figure out how I was going to approach the most devastating parts of Aliyah's life mm-hmm. and not get consumed by it to the point where I would affect my own mental health that was already kind of wavering just like everyone else's. So what I chose to do during that period of time was I chose to get those parts over with Mm -hmm. and I chose to write them first Mm -hmm. so that I knew that by the end of the book, my hero didn't die at the end because I already wrote the death, you know? Yeah. So it, it, um, when I finished writing, I wrote that I, I I wrote with the, uh, the mindset that Aaliyah was still alive. alive. Which brought me such um, a great level of cheer during this devastating time, because I was able to. I, I left. I left the project. I, I, I closed the book, so to speak, um, on the high note, and that's that's really how I end the book too. Yeah. Still, just acknowledging that her legacy is so incredible, and not too many artists. And we're watching this now. I mean, yeah. um, as we sit here and talk. You know, one in a million has already become what, number one on iTunes, and the first day it like reached over five million streams. As it you should. know, as it should. As it should. <laughs> and 
it's just knowing that her legacy lives on. And, and really, when you go into Times Square and you see the Aliyah billboard mm-hmm. that's up, you, you just start to realize that this is the moment that she deserves this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is honoring a legacy that... We didn't we didn't appreciate Aliyah as much as we should have while she was here. Yeah. We only had seven years with time. her on right, the planet. Time, yeah. yeah. But to know that in seven years her impact has echoed through two decades thereafter and will continue to do so. Yeah. You know, we say this expression, you know, gotta give them let's give people their flowers. Yes. I mean, this is this is her time to get her flowers. Absolutely. And I think it's just so important that her music is being released because even prior to the music release like i have two children i have a four-year-old and i have a 17 year old and so one day my uh 17 year old came in the house and she was at target came in the house and had a a leah t-shirt i'm like you don't even know who she is (laughs) you know so you i know i know you know so you have social media and different things that go around but they never had the well now they do but prior to they didn't have the privilege privilege of even listening to her catalog you know i think the only thing that was on streaming was age ain't nothing but a number and because of you know the r kelly situation people wasn't really diving into that one as much um but she didn't know about the one in the millions or anything like the the album like being able to sit down and listen to an album because music is so it goes comes and goes so quickly you know back then Mm -hmm. they really took that time and i really credit timbaland for one in a million because he made it like it's timeless like when i was listening to it last night i'm like this aged well like Timbaland's production and everything, it just, it sounds amazing. So I'm definitely happy that that came out. But it's just it's just funny, like you said, there's two decades past and her T-shirts now, people wearing their T-shirts and her T-shirts and 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds, like it's it's amazing. And I think you said that in, this, in your book where you said, um, you mentioned that girls dressed just like Aaliyah are sobbing and boys crying are crying because their crush is gone and that was me like when she passed in 2001 i think i was uh 13 14 and uh, everyone knew i loved Aaliyah. so i woke up there my grandmother actually woke me up and she was like you know that girl she couldn't think of her name but she's like you know that girl that she likes she you know she died in a plane crash Mm. I'm thinking at first I didn't know what she was talking about I was like who and she's like uh it starts with the A and I'm like Aaliyah so you know you it, it was crazy like the whole day like I recorded the 106 and Park episode tribute like I did everything like it was mm-hmm. like I think that was probably to this day probably the um celebrity whose death affected me the most where it's like wow like she's really going and like you said but she only had and she was really just getting into her career and I know you're right about that now, I know you talk about this a little bit in your book before our listeners. Just briefly, if you can just tell us, you know, where were you when you found out about Aaliyah's passing? Mm. <laughs> I was at a diner in New Jersey and I um, I just finished dinner with one of my friends. Mm. And we had, you know, we were in the parking lot. It was a, it was literally the diner that we went to in college, like my college campus, because <clears throat> I just graduated college. I'm the same age yeah. as Aaliyah yeah. would be. So... My college campus has like this long road that would, um, at the very end of the road, it pours, uh, basically pours in a large diner. So that was just the hangout. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like three months out of college. So I was still hanging out at that diner, you know? (laughs) So I was in the parking lot and we were just saying goodbye. And I was like, all right, see you later, you know? Mm -hmm. And my friends, he had an accurate Integra. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And when, you know, when he would, when he would um, start the car, you know, he had it all just tricked out, like, you know, like, you know, the big uh, engine, all that other stuff. So when he would like turn on the car and have the music playing, Uh right? Like the the music, like if his radio was on, Uh it would just be like, and then you would hear like the the music playing, right? So I was walking to my car. And I hear um, um, Aaliyah mm-hmm. and, and like Angie Martinez's voice. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, and the kid closed his door, so I, I couldn't hear it anymore. Right? right? So I'm just, I, I'm walking and I'm like, Angie, Angie's on the air? It's like 1130 at night. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And I just start, and I'm just walking, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then my friend opens his car door and he goes, hey, um, I think Aaliyah died in a plane crash. And I just stopped. And I I described this moment where I say, like, you know, when like it feels like the sound is sucked out of a room, mm-hmm. you know, and all you just hear are like warbles of air. I felt like the the sound had been sucked out of the planet. Like I didn't like it was like like a vacuum, like and, and, and I was just like So I run over to the car and I get in the passenger seat. And we're just listening. And I'm just, uh, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I i then just like kind of got up and staggered over to my own car and I turned on the radio. Mm. And I was driving home and, you know, places are reporting it, reporting it. And then, you know, you're switching stations to hear different sides of yeah. the story. And you're hearing her music playing and I just start sobbing and like sobbing sobbing Mm -hmm. and when I got home my eyes were so swollen and my mother was like what happened and I was like (laughs) Aaliyah died and my mom was like oh my god because she knew you know I had um I had Aaliyah hanging in my locker in high school you know and I I had her all on my wall Mm -hmm. what was insane was when I was, I sold my mom's house last year, mm. and when I was cleaning up my childhood bedroom and just like kind of finishing off mm. everything after moving everything out, the last thing that was still on the wall was um, a magazine photo of um, a clipping of Aliyah. Wow. And I remember I just kind of took it down and I put it in my storage. Uh-huh. And this is before I even knew I was writing the book. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. but I just like looked at it and it was, it's just a huge, it was such a, like, she was a huge piece of my identity, yeah. you know? And, and I just, she stayed on my wall and as I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm not working in the music industry, you know, I, 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 I and I still have Aliyah on my wall, right. you know, like right. it was, she just always stayed with me mm-hmm. and I was even like going through my social media mm-hmm over um over the years like I was like backtracking and just looking at things and you know I always post on her birthday and on her anniversary mm-hmm. like always yeah. before any of this and I and I just you know I just felt like that loss was you know people people compare I, I compared it to when people talk about like where were you when JFK was shot or I'm okay you know or assassinated rather mm-hmm. and all these things and we, we of that generation mm-hmm. have that very specific memory. Like when I was, when I was speaking to, 
some people that just in the music industry and you know they knew I was doing this book mm-hmm. and they were like man Aaliyah I remember when where I was when she died it, it's always the first thing that they talk about is what they remember they remember where they were mm-hmm. and it's it's in, incredible but I also talk about this in the book these children these teenagers these kids your kids right mm-hmm. you know you have a 17 year old who may have seen the picture of Aliyah? She she's now just, she was a face on a T-shirt before we got the music back. Mm-hmm. So your child sees that picture in Target mm-hmm. of Aliyah and comes home with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe because the name sounds cool, mm-hmm. um, they might be a, like um, vaguely aware of the person. Right. She's, got, she's beautiful, yeah. and they say to you, you know, Aliyah, right? And you're like, Aliyah passed away in 2001. That's where they were when they learned Aliyah died. Mm. they have their own story mm-hmm. and maybe it wasn't listening to the radio in real time maybe it wasn't watching MTV right. maybe it was buying that shirt from Target mm-hmm. and coming home and having their parent who has their own uh, memory of it mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so that's where they learned you know and some of the fans in the book submitted letters and, they, and one of them really hit me mm-hmm. where um, the, the, uh, the person said I heard Aliyah's music and I would always hear it. I was always singing it because my mom played CDs. Mm. And when um, I was old enough to go to my first concert, I said, I want to see Aliyah in concert. And my mom said, I'm sorry, honey, but Aliyah passed away in 2001. That's where they were when they heard that Aliyah died. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we all have a story. It's, it might be told different iterations, yeah. but there's, we all have the, we all have that moment. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. the whole you weren't there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, right. that, that that's where they were when they mm-hmm. found out, yeah. you know, and it's just it's it's an incredible thread that we've this all together. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the reason, especially of us who lived through that moment, I think one of the reasons why it's, it still feels so fresh is because, like you said in the book, like two weeks after that, 9-11 happened. Yeah, we didn't have time to grieve. No, <laughs> yeah, it was like that happened, and you know, days go by quick. And next thing you know, you I'm waking up for school and come back, and of course, I wasn't in New York, but I was in St. Louis. But of course, it was worldwide. So I really, at that time, at what thirteen, fourteen, I didn't understand the mm-hmm. magnitude of really what took place. But I mm-hmm. did. I do remember literally seeing the second plane hit in real time. Like it was, they were talking, and it just. And I'm, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Grandma's like, oh, we might have to go to war and this. And, you know, I'm you just so oh, in your head. So I think that's another reason. Because every time I think about uh, Aaliyah's uh, passing, this is normally around August. Like I said, you start seeing a lot of different things come up about her. Yeah. And then also in January on her birthday. And I'm always thinking about, man, you know, 9-11 happened shortly after that. So I think it's interesting that you wrote that in your book like two weeks afterwards, 9-11 happened. So I think that's why it's so fresh. It seems like so fresh. Like. I know when I was in Aaliyah Pass, I know where I was when 9-11 happened. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is a, this is an incredible book. I think it's like long overdue, you know. So I, I want to know, um, I know you talked about that you were writing this during, you know, kind of during the, in the middle of COVID. But did you ever think that you would be writing a book? Was it ever in your mind? Like, you know, I really like as you got into your hip hop writing career in your career, did you ever think like, hey, one day I really want to write something on Aaliyah? Well, I think subconsciously, you know, I have, <laughs> there's so many, like, so many of the sources that I cite in the book are from my own articles. Wow. I've, I've, I've written about Aaliyah for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I've always written about her impact, whether it's on fashion or music. Yeah. I've I've written about the milestone anniversaries. I've I've done I've done that mm. because as a fan, as a fan of hip hop and and my favorite artists, I've always been the type of writer who keeps their name in relevance. Like I, I yeah. still I still wanted that. Yeah. So yeah, in a sense. I mean, in the same way that I would write about women in hip hop mm -hmm. and make sure to include them, you know, in, in top lists, yeah. which is something that, you know, rarely we do. And, and, um, you know, it always comes like a disclaimer when, when someone's talking about their top five that are alive. I mean, I guess I got to go there and put in Lauren Hill, or I guess I got to do mm -hmm. MC light. No, no shame in my game. It's like, what do you mean shame? Like right. talk about prolific MCs, right. but what I've always done is like kind of write um, women into the narrative without mm -hmm. um, singling them out, so to speak. Exactly. And making it some sort of um, grand gesture Absolutely. where this is where they belonged anyway. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to being an icon and a visionary, uh, that's how I wrote Aaliyah into it. It's not mm -hmm. something to single her out in the sense of just like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to say it. No shame in my game. Aaliyah was an icon. No, right. when I'm listing icons, it's like, yeah, you know, like so-and-so, so-and-so, Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. it's, when, you, when you include an artist as part of the conversation without creating bells and whistles, mm -hmm. you're then making, you're, you're, it's almost like you're doing more justice to their name as opposed to once again decorating mm -hmm. them with this like exclusivity from the group right it, it changes how you it changes how you process that yes so i, I had been doing that all along mm -hmm. so the idea of writing about aliyah was kind of a no-brainer no right right yeah well this book is um we're gonna I'm, I, I believe this is gonna be a new york times bestseller I really believe that. Oh, from, I, I really from your lips that. to God's ears. Yeah, I believe that because, I like you, like I said, it's just the book came out this week. Her music comes out. It makes sense. Like, it's like, you know, a lot of people may think, oh, they were in cahoots the whole time. They had the book plan and the music plan. But, <laughs> no, you, know, no. you know how people think. But, you know, it's just, I just think this is perfect timing. Uh, definitely brought back a lot of memories. I'm um, still reading through the book, but just from what I read, read thus far, like that nostalgia, like you can just the feeling of it you know what i'm saying like 96 97 like early 90s when i remember her i remember um watching the box and hoping i was young hoping someone would um type in those little three numbers so that the uh oh yeah yeah like so that the uh, what's the video um hot like fire remix i love that video oh. at that time so i was always wanting to see that so i'm waiting on someone like to order it i was too young like go ahead and pay the money so i can pay the money right. i used to be like that too i'd yeah. be like can somebody do this on my behalf please exactly so i yeah. i'm definitely appreciative so um like i said i'm a fan of this of Aaliyah, and so literally i'm reading this as a fan like i'm not reading this as a professional or as a journalist or as a podcaster just so i can get i'm literally reading this book as a fan but i will i have two more questions for you so when mm -hmm. you were when you were writing this book is there anything that you can tell as you're as you were researching and as you were kind of doing your research anything that kind of shocked you like stood out like whoa that you can tell without you know well I'll, I'll do a positive and a negative okay positive i didn't realize that when alia got into the studio 
and she would be hands a reference track. She would freestyle her own versions of the lyrics. Like she would dress up the song as her own. You know, we were always made to believe that she kind of was handed a track and just like kind of regurgitated yeah. it. And that was like her superpower. Yeah. But no, her reinterpretation of the song when it was given to her uh-huh. and how she would change things up just on the fly. Yeah. That really shocked me. Mm-hmm. That and, um, you know, I'd read about this in the past, but when I, I when you place it along the timeline, the fact that she would warm up in the studio singing opera, Wow. That was, uh, yeah, that was pretty wild to me. On a negative, uh, the R. Kelly, um, the deep dive in, into R. Kelly. And that, you know, readers, especially given the fact that we're um, in, in the thick of this R. Kelly trial where Aliyah's name has been brought up, yep. you know, I... I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring this up in in the book, but I, I felt like I had to. Yeah. At some, you, you can't yeah. you can't deny her that that moment of strength yeah. in in leaving, yeah. right? Because uh, that's that's really why the one in a million project even took shape because Aaliyah had nothing to lose. Mm. Everyone had been almost turning against her. Yeah. So. You know why be formulaic at that point? Let's let's mm-hmm. let's go. Let's yeah. let's you know let's yeah. do what we got to do with yeah. the sound. And I think that if if um I don't think that the end result would have been any different in terms of Alia being an icon because I think that that was going to happen from birth. Yeah. But it might have changed the course of how Alia was approaching music if she didn't have such a devastating beginning. Mm-hmm. But just the um the details on the legal side, mm-hmm. the sealed documents mm-hmm. that I was given, um you know. Uh, access to those those kinds of things that they just um, left me with a pit in my stomach and I just hope that um, after people read this book mm-hmm. we can finally close the chapter on R. Kelly yes. so that um, he's just never brought up again yeah. you know um, she she's the one with the legacy mm-hmm. he's ruined his yeah he, yeah, he has <laughs> he's definitely has and it's, it's such a shame that you know this music that he's wrote and done for over, over 20 years you know all these things come out and it's just like it's like it was all for nothing in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's. I, I don't think no one, no one wants their, because um, I always say, you know, it's not about how you start, but how you finish. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you can start slow and then come out on top or whatever have you. But for him to start off in a, you know, in a way, in our eyes, like, oh, he's a musical genius and so forth and so forth. You, your legacy to end in a sense on this note is, is it's a tragedy. When that um, R. Kelly um, doc came out, I used to always say, like, it would be better for him just to admit it. Like, you know, I have a problem. I struggle with this for years. I need help. I think that would have, you know. Well, you will never have that moment when you play God. Mm. And I think there's a difference in some ways for having a predilection for younger mm. women mm. and abuse. And doing vile things to them. Yeah. There's, there's a that admission. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that years ago with Torre in the interview. Well, how young are we talking? Yeah. When he says, like, you know, teenage, like, you yeah. know, yeah. he and and the music industry. I say this in my book. It's the business of selling a fantasy. Mm-hmm. You had like boy bands like Backstreet Boys. Kevin Richardson and the Backstreet Boys was 27 mm-hmm. when his Target demo was 13. We we created that. We created this. Yeah. You know, like you have 13 year old girls when they're like, okay, so who's going to be your husband? And they say Kevin Richardson. You know, mm-hmm. so that we created that. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. that was that was a construct yeah. of the music industry, wow. right? Um, you Beverly Hills 90210. So those students 
Luke Perry, God rest his soul, was like 27 during that show. And I remember I was a kid. I was like 13. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry Luke Perry. That is something that that world has has, um, decorated, designed, and packaged and delivered to us. Mm -hmm. So that's always been very problematic. But when you add a layer of abuse and programming and grooming and violence Mm -hmm. and destruction and trauma, that goes well beyond, wow, what a terrible childhood. I I wish he would have healed sooner. Mm -hmm. No, you then then make a very um, obvious decision to take those demons to the next level. level. And and for that, I don't pity that man one bit. Mm. I agree. Absolutely. You make valid points. I'm going to end it like this. So seeing that you are a hip hop fan, right? If there, mm-hmm. if there was someone who's never listened to hip hop before and you say, hey, have you heard hip hop? Hey, what's that? What What would be the first song that you would direct them to listening to? Oh, my goodness. What a loaded question. <laughs> Like the first, like just you never heard hip hop here. You, this is your introduction. Huh? You can hear this one song. I'm gonna tell you the song that took my heart, and when still when I hear it, yeah. I still I still get the feeling, yeah. and that's uh, Mass Appeal by Gangstar. Mm, that beat is amazing. Every time I hear it, it's up, it's like you gotta stop what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the one. That's the song for me. Mm. If when when you say to me, "What's your you know the the brown sugar?" When you fall in love with yeah. hip hop. Mm-hmm. That's it's mass appeal, gangstar. That a hundred percent. That's the song that I think about. Wow, completely. Mine's will be because I, I asked you this question because I actually saw it on social media and I had to think about it. And I think mine's uh, Nas and ain't hard to tell. Oh yeah, like, I think, it's that same feeling. Yeah, it, that, yeah. that ugh, yes, you know. Yes, so it's like every time I hear that that sample, that Michael Jackson sample, and yeah, it just takes you busy. Just, uh, you know, and it's just the era, like you were saying from. You know, just growing up in hip hop, kind of seeing hip hop evolve to where it is now. So, of course, you know, you don't want to be sound like the old hair, like, you know, well, this music now is not like how it was back then. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, every generation felt like that their music, their fashion, everything was the best, you know. And I just, oh, like, absolutely. You know, yeah, I just felt like we lived through that, that golden era. And like, you know, like Aaliyah, we see, basically see Aaliyah and all these young artists. You know, I know you mentioned Sierra. She was definitely one early on that we saw. But even now, mm-hmm. you know, even everyone and, and some of these artists may not even admit it or will want to admit it. But every time I see them, I said, no, you may not understand. But your swag, your all that you got there. From mm-hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? Even if you didn't know it, the, the labels or whoever is kind of grooming your your look, they have a blueprint. And that blueprint is definitely Leah, because I can see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's why her name means the highest, most exalted one, the best. I mean, that's this is this is her birthright, you know. And I, um, I, I think that now with the music, mm-hmm. if you put together a playlist that combines the current artists and you throw in Ali as one in a million, mm-hmm. there's complete continuity. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever, it's like now you know who birthed your style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people, some people would admit it, but a lot don't. But yeah, she, she's. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, gone too soon. I mean, we can all agree to that. Um, Absolutely. So, um, tell people where they can get your book, Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. It is in stores now. Where can people pick it up? Can they pick it up? Target, Amazon, where else? 
You can pick it up Target, Amazon, Walmart, um, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Borders, all of those places. Um, independent bookshops. Please, um, please buy from Black-owned bookshops and yes. women-owned bookshops. Yes. And um, of course, there's the Kindle edition, iBook edition, and then um, the audio book as well. So, so it's in all formats. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I narrate two parts. Okay. Amazing. And then the rest are done by the amazing Bonnie Turpin. Bonnie also did God Save the Queen. God Save the Queen. She's, okay. she's just phenomenal. Well, Kathy, I appreciate you for taking time out and joining me during this Sunday dinner conversation. I'm a fan. So you are a definitely a gifted writer. I can tell that you have a passion for what you do and that you have fun doing it. That it's not like a, oh, I got to write this. But I can tell that in everything that you write, that you're passionate about it and you have fun doing it and you can read I definitely do writing. thank you yeah you can thank you writing so continue to keep up the good work so what what's next for you do you have anything are you planning on taking like a vacation for a while you're gonna do a hi- hiatus what's what's next do you have anything that you can uh, that you can share well we're gonna be gearing up for little kim's book to come out and you know i'm just um trying to figure out what the next book is you know i wrote two books uh, like simultaneously in a pandemic so you know that that was uh <laughs> i don't even know what i was thinking but i'm glad i did yeah. but um yeah we'll, we'll see you know i mean i don't know a vacation in a pandemic just feels a little strange to me yeah. but We'll see. I, I'm, I'm, my, my book tour and the promo has is stretching well into September. So okay. I'll just see if I'm going to have a nice little Halloween vacation or something. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, Kathy, we pray all the best for you. Uh, continue success you. to you, and I, I appreciate you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.